Back for another round, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson ready for a made-for-TV rematch called The Match Champions for Charity, but this time they're bringing the big guns. Mickelson tweeted Wednesday that Tiger Woods is bringing a ringer, Peyton Manning. Mickelson said he's bringing a goat, Tom Brady, and then he tweeted, ready to hit bombs? The match took place just a little over a week ago at Medalist Golf Club, Tiger's home course in Florida. The day itself was wet and gloomy, but the broadcast was quite the opposite. It featured a pair of major champions in Justin Thomas and Trevor Immelman. Guests like J.J. Watt and Russell Wilson called in, and there was even some trash talking, thanks to Sir Charles. Uh, you know, Tom, that was, I should have just said if you can just keep it on the planet. <laughs> the obvious stars of the show were Tiger and Phil, but the two future pro Hall of Fame quarterbacks held their own. Look at this again. Brady's fourth at this par five seventh with Charles just challenging him and oh, he goodness. stiffs it. That's awesome. Man. I mean, that was tour quality, Trevor. Yeah, that was something special right there. Let that be a lesson for everybody out there who wants to challenge TB12. As I've mentioned on previous podcasts, I'm not the biggest golf fan, but the match, Champions for Charity, drew record numbers. It was the most watched golf telecast in the history of U.S. cable television, peaking at 6.3 million viewers. And to top it off, the match also raised $20 million for COVID-19 relief. This event was a major success, and the message was pretty clear. If you broadcast it, they will watch. As we all know, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the PGA Tour shut down competition after the first round of the Players' Championship all the way back on March 12th. The new plan released this morning calls for tournament action to resume at the Charles Schwab Challenge in Fort Worth, Texas at Colonial Country Club on June 11th. The Charles Schwab Challenge is slated to host just under 150 of the world's best golfers and their families. You'll see staff and volunteers, but in a limited capacity. What you won't see is large crowds and fairways, tee blocks, or greens, because there won't be any fans. As for the safety protocols, and they are intense and comprehensive, they've significantly increased. Many steps have been taken by the PGA and the folks at Colonial to ensure that this tournament sets the standard for future PGA events. The person responsible for putting all these pieces together is Michael Toth, tournament director of the Charles Schwab Challenge. He joins my co-host Donovan Bennett for an in-depth discussion on this edition of the Sports on Pause podcast. So Michael Toth is not just the tournament director of the Charles Schwab Challenge. He has been very busy getting the PGA Tour's first tournament back up and running since play was halted on March 12th during the first round of the Players' Championship. But he's also a native of Georgetown, Ontario, that worked in Golf Canada for four years, starting in 1999. So he has a great perspective on how important golf coming back is not only for the golf community, but for Canadians and golf fans all across the world. Having said that, this Texas tournament known as the Colonial since 2012 will be a little bit different from anything we've seen in its 72 year history. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. And firstly, how different will it look? What sort of protocols and procedures will you put in place to make sure that this tournament is a safe one? Yeah, thanks, Donovan, for having me. 
it's always good to reconnect with uh, a Canadian. There's not many of us down here in Fort Worth, and <laughs> if there are any, we're we're probably playing hockey together, so that's good. Yeah, you know, I think it's one of those things where everything is different. Everything has been turned upside down, uh, much like our individual lives. You know, we're looking at the golf tournament very, very differently than we would in a normal year, and it's gone from you know, selling tickets and being really excited about the field and finalizing pro-am details and corporate hospitality and fan attractions, concessions to worrying about, you know, player safety and limited hotels and cleansing and disinfecting protocols and COVID-19 testing and quarantining. And so, you know, you take your entire operation and you evaluate what's going to apply, you know, that you chop out three quarters of it. And then, you know, you're focused on this quarter that, again, is everything I just mentioned. And, you know, the unfortunate part in all of this is the only way to absorb it is through watching it on TV, you know, Thursday, Friday on Golf Channel or Saturday, Sunday on CBS. We can't celebrate it for all the hard work with fans, but it's the right thing to do given our environment. And I think, you know, the tour, the PGA Tour has been great through this entire process. But to answer your question, everything from A to Z has been, been turned upside down and, and really changed. You know, we've, we've taken 10 months, you know, all the way up to April when you mentioned it, that the Players' Championship postponed and then ultimately canceled midway through. And, and then the next four events on the tour calendar up to Augusta got canceled, then Augusta and the Masters got rescheduled to the fall, and then the next four events up to the PGA Championship, which was at Harding Park in San Francisco, that got postponed. So we were the next event up, and, you know, we were probably staring down the gun barrel of being canceled, and then the tour called us and said, hey, would you guys relaunch? You're the first event up. Could you go in June? And we raised our hand and we said, we'll be ready. You know, we've hosted this event here for 74 years. We're the longest running PGA Tour event at the same venue. And I don't want to say we've relished in the opportunity, but we, I guess we are relishing in the opportunity. We understand how important it is to golf and sport fans to get back to normal. But everything has changed without question. How will things change for the players? When will they be arriving and what will their week look like? Yeah, typically players start to arrive Monday, and then some guys arrive Tuesday that are familiar with the golf course and, and will play in the Wednesday Pro-Am. But, but now what we're seeing is the trend is guys are, are getting in a little early. So guys are going to start arriving Saturday or Sunday. I've been told, and again, you know, it's one of those things where all, the, all of our information with the tour is changing and evolving and, and being adjusted. But as I understand it today, is players will be sent a home test kit which will allow them to travel so they'll have an idea that they're covid free negative to travel and then when they get to fort worth they're going to be required to do another to do a full covid 19 test and so what that means is they we picked a designated venue we've got a lab and test kits and so players will, will test and as we're waiting on their results they can come to the golf course they can play and practice, but they cannot enter the clubhouse. And then once we know they're negative, they go and register, and then they'll be given an orange lanyard. 
and that orange lanyard that they'll attach to their credential will allow them to move and, and go throughout the clubhouse freely. And then we'll thermal test every day as they arrive. So they'll come through our checkpoint, they'll enter the player entrance, we'll thermal test, and, and assuming their thermal test is you know below 100.4, they can kind of roam and, and do what they normally do. Now, of course, masks and hand sanitizer and social distancing is all playing into that. It's not like we're going to be one happy family like we've been in the past. Everybody's really sensitive and everybody has a different approach and opinion on it. So if a guy wants to wear a mask during competition, he can. If a guy wants to sit at a table uh, by himself, he can. If there's players that are comfortable because they're, they live in the same hometown and they've practiced and played together in whatever state they reside, then, then they can do that too. But, you know, once they complete their round, they'll score, and then they'll be encouraged to go back to the hotel. Or if they live in DFW, they'll be encouraged to go back home. And so does that include their caddies, their family? How much of a entourage, for lack of a better word, are they allowed to bring the, with them as support staff? And what are the rules for anyone who accompanies them? So players and caddies are considered one of the same. And so we're calling them inside the bubble. So they're inside the bubble. I'm inside the bubble. PJ Tour rules officials will be inside the bubble. So there's a select group of people that are inside the bubble, and that includes caddies. So I'll be tested, and then I'll follow the same protocols. The PJ Tour, and they've done a nice job with this, and it's smart, is, you know, in a traditional year, we provide family care, child care for players that travel with families. So we are not going to have families on property with us. Therefore, we will not have child care. And then, you know, some of those services that we've normally provided, dry cleaning, you know, tickets to various events and, you know, functions during term of week, those have all been canceled. And then player dining and caddy dining is going to take on less of a, you know, buffet style that we've all seen, you know, whether that's a hotel or a restaurant or, you know, wedding party, etc. We all know what buffet style is. That has now been re sort of focus is now grab and go so we'll have a menu item and it'll all be prepackaged food and a player can grab and go and hop in his car and, and get out of here or if he's coming in prior to the round uh, they can grab that and then head out to the range but it's inside the bubble people and it's outside the bubble but the caddies much like the players, will be what's called inside the bubble. And then they'll be encouraged to social distance as well, even during the competition. You know, we haven't seen that yet. There's been two made-for-TV golf events. Uh, you know, the one out in Florida at Seminole, and then more recently, Tiger and Phil with Brady and um, Peyton Manning. But they were in their own carts. And then the, the match with Rory McIlroy, Fowler, Dustin Johnson, and, and Wolfie, uh, Matthew Wolf. They walked and carried their own bag. So this is now full golf back. And it'll be interesting to watch how players and caddies interact from a social distancing perspective. But again, they're both tested. They're both negative. And so in theory, they could interact as if it's a normal event. So it'll be interesting to see how, how each player and, and caddy relationship is managed through this. 
You mentioned the made-for-TV golf events that we've had during the pause of normal sports activity because of COVID. Were there any learnings that you and your staff got from those events? Uh, yeah, I learned that the guys are a little rusty. <laughs> you know, I think, uh, you know, Dustin Johnson did not look all that great during the match, but he'll get that tidied up. But Tiger, boy, he looked good last weekend. That's a good question. I don't know. You know, I, you know, it's interesting. I watched both of those a little bit, and because they're so different, because they're so limited in field, I think the one thing that I took away was that if you watched a little bit of that, either one of those matches, there were guys that got comfortable as the match went on or the event went on with social distancing. So I worry about that a little bit. I worry about that during the telecast because I don't want that to be reflected like we're all just being very cavalier and not taking this to a serious nature, which, which of course it is. And, you know, it's affecting our economy affecting everybody's lives you know my kids are homeschooled your kids are homeschooled it's driving us all crazy we can't go to restaurants bars etc there's no hockey so to answer your question i'm not sure i learned anything but that doesn't mean that i have all the answers either it just means that i probably was looking at it more as a golf fan and excited about it being back but i think now that you've asked the question i hope that the viewer who watches golf as it goes on is not critical of a player and a caddy relationship, not knowing maybe that they have been tested and gone through a litany of, of protocols to, to ensure that they're safe. So that might be it. That You know, I'm going to Mike Dark, you know, I just, maybe the telecast needs to talk about the protocols a little bit. So you sparked me to, to think about that a little bit. You've mentioned the bubble that you're going to have in Fort Worth. Other than the course, what else would constitute being in that bubble? Yeah, so our clubhouse, you know, we're an old stately clubhouse. Probably needs to be torn down and rebuilt, but that's kind of the history of it, you know. So the lower level of the clubhouse will be players. And then the upper level will be volunteers. And then we have a secondary sort of building um, across from the Hogan statue where caddies will dine. And so we're... We're keeping caddies inside the bubble in one area, players inside the bubble in one area, and then volunteers who are not in the bubble sort of completely away. We've aligned ourselves with four hotels. They are all following certain cleansing and disinfecting protocols. Lexus is our official vehicle, so we're getting 160 brand new cars. Peter Jacobson Sports, who manages that, will will go through a cleansing and disinfecting process, and then the cars will sit for a few days, and then they'll be pulled up by valet staff. And so that's one touch point. You know, we're having no fans, obviously no spectators, so that takes out that element. Um, there's limited media on property, so that protocol is in place, and they're in a, an entirely different building on property, so again, I, neither the two shall meet from inside and outside the bubble. The property will be strewed with, littered with hand sanitizer and wipes. I mean, you're not going to be able to turn a corner without a hand pump or a two-ounce hand sanitizer just sort of sitting out and available for you to grab. Staff, myself included, we're all going to be wiping down surfaces constantly and 
tidying up constantly. We've got a company that's coming in prior to anybody arriving and we're going to test the property. So it's a company that's going to test the property for COVID. And then if we detect any COVID, we're going to disinfect that area, retest. Once we're sort of COVID free, we're going to present that to the tour. And, and then we'll just go through normal housekeeping, disinfecting, cleansing processes so that we know that if we can set the sort of set the stage free of COVID-19, the virus, then we know it's come from outside if it lands on property. So those are just a few that come to top of mind. But again, it's, you know, we're, ha we're ordered, we've ordered 3000 hand sanitizers. We've ordered 2000 eight ounce pumps. Um, I, I have six rolls of Clorox hand wipes here. I'm constantly sort of doing all that. Players, staff, everybody's going to be given a mask. If they want to wear it, they can. If they don't want to, they don't have to. So those are just some of the things that we're that we're doing that are that are new that we wouldn't normally do in a normal year. And I think we'll see a lot of this bleed into 2021 as well. And just sort of the new it's the new norm, you know, and when 9-11 happened, that, that changed our lives. This is also changing our lives from a from a daily routine perspective. One of the biggest changes is there won't be fans. How many fans do you normally have? at the tournament yeah so we're fortunate you know we've been at the same venue for 74 years we have a very very educated fan base we have a very very supportive fan base we have about a hundred to 115,000 spectators so it's about 25,000 a day and you know Fort Worth the city of Fort Worth is, which is about I think 700,000 people it all shuts down on Friday afternoon. Everybody's playing hooky. They're all out here at Colonial. So to not share that with our fans in the field, which is the best it's been in my short time here, is incredible. But at the same time, quite frankly, I couldn't see a scenario where we're doing everything we're doing with fans. It's just there's a lot of protocols that we've just talked about. But that fan element... Uh, really needed to be removed so that the tour and and us as the operators felt good about the event. But we normally see, you know, yeah, 25 to 27,000 people a day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, our traditional date is Memorial Day weekend, or as we call in Canada, May 2-4 weekend, or that's, at least that's what they called it when I was in Canada as a teenager. But it's disappointing, but we get it. We understand it's a necessity but in a normal year, we're probably in the 110,000 spectator range. So from a revenue loss perspective, what does not having fans on the property mean to the business of the tournament? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think my best analogy is you're going to fly from Toronto to London on a big 747. You got three pilots and you've got 10 flight attendants, you've got no passengers, but you're still flying, you know, you still have that, all those expenses, it's the same thing, you know, we have millions of dollars in expenses, and our revenue stream is, has all but dried up, the fortunate thing that we, we jumped on early, because we knew it was coming down the pipeline, was we've talked to all 300 plus customers, and we've said, hey, we're not going to have fans. You're not going to be able to utilize your tickets. 
you have a signed agreement with us, you've paid, let's work together on keeping a few of those dollars in the 2020 event to keep our charities whole. And then we'll push the rest through to 2021. And we've had every answer, Donovan, from, nope, I need a full refund. We're laying staff off to, you know what, that's a good idea. We're going to make a charitable contribution to Birdies for Charity Match Fund. Or, you know what, we'll, we'll make an entire contribution or we'll make a partial contribution or, you know, push everything to 2021. So we've sort of had a, a nice mix of supporters. And, you know, our goal was to retain about 10%. You know, we typically, let's just for argument's sake, sell about $5 million in things, hospitality pro-am tickets. We've tried to keep about $500,000 of that in the 2020 event. And we're pretty close to doing that. But the minute you don't have fans and don't have spectators and don't have corporates and don't have pro-ams and don't have branding and, and fan enhancement areas that are all tied to revenue, that pretty much gets dried up and you're staring at, you know, a bill. And so we're working with the tour. They've been great. And um, we decided very, very quickly that that, albeit that's a problem, we felt like we needed to be the first event to get the PGA Tour back on schedule. I mean, we could have said to the tour, you know what, we're not interested. But with the, you know, with the help of Schwab and the guidance from the tour and then our committee seeing the historical significance to returning to golf, I think we put the finances aside and said, let's do this. How long can that be the case? You mentioned deferring some money to, you know, 2021. But if we don't have a vaccine next summer, which is not a guarantee, can you see fans coming back to golf courses the way they used to? Without a vaccine? No. And I'm not a doctor. I'm just a a father, a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. And I'm a huge Stars fan. I love the Leafs, but now I live in Dallas, Fort Worth area, so I've become a bit of a Stars fan. My point is where I'm going with this is I could be handed Cowboys, Stars tickets, and I'm not so sure myself that I would be comfortable with sitting in a in a venue right now without a vaccine. I kind of look at it like if the venue was full or not full of people or even quarter full of people with the flu and you don't have the flu shot, would you go into that venue? And I, and I would probably say no, I would not. So I know not everybody shares that opinion and that's fine. And But I, I feel that until there's a vaccine myself, personally, not professionally, personally, I, I think that it'd be very, very difficult to have the spectator and fan base that we've had in a normal year. Now, that said, if we don't have a vaccine, you know, golf is an event where we could social distance from a fan perspective. We could limit ticket sales and we could limit venues and venue capacity. And we've got enough time to kind of work our way through that. But until there is what I would say a true vaccine, you know, we probably will not see the crowds we've seen in normal years. So that's a critical piece in this. What you're describing is walking the tightrope between the professional part of your job as an executive and obviously the personal as a human. What's the toughest thing you've had to do or decision you've had to make during this process? Professionally, it's the hardest thing for me has been just making sure that we're doing this right, making sure that all the plans we have in place are in the spirit of, of making sure that the player 
and the caddy and the people inside the bubble and then the people outside the bubble are protected. And that's hard. Personally, you know, social distancing in your neighborhood has been difficult. I think, you know, our position, you know, my wife and I, Holly and I and the kids, we, we you know, we're not in school. We have social distanced the hell out of things <laughs> in our family for, you know, ever since, you know, when this all started in March and there's others in our neighborhood that have loosened up and it's been hard for Holly and I to kind of manage the kids, like how come they can play, but we can. And, and I think we've done a good job of, of sheltering the kids and us and just our position is, and that's hard when you talk to neighbors and friends like, Hey, why don't you come over for a swim or we're going to have a barbecue or whatever. Like, you know, we're just going to continue to social distance for now. And that's a hard thing to say and do and maintain. And, you know, I think you just can't take it lightly. And the problem with opening up and we've done that in Texas is, is that people just are not responsible enough. So, you have to be responsible and, and we're being responsible. We're taking it proactive and probably need to given that we're two weeks away and, and I myself can't afford to get sick. So that's been hard on the personal level. The professional level is just making sure we do it all right and that we, we leave no stone unturned and it's a, a safe and clean environment when people arrive here to Colonial Country Club. So this tournament will be different because there'll be no fans, there'll be no pro-ams, but there also will be fewer volunteers as you try and limit the amount of people who are on the, the footprint. How will that impact how things go? And what's the disparity between the number of volunteers you normally have and the amount you're going to have during the tournament? We have 1,600 volunteers that take time off. We have volunteers from at least four or five different countries every year converge in Fort Worth in North Texas. This year is going to be uh, significantly different. We're probably in the two to 300 range on property per day. So our marshalling force is, is, you know, pales in comparison. Our shot link volunteer has really remained intact because there's some data that is required there so that's you know that's a pretty significant workforce you know we're not doing standard bears anymore we're doing scoring scores so we've gone from 1600 to about 300 and when we stopped taking volunteers we were at 1200 and again that's back in april so we had to have some hard conversations with them like you know you're talking about volunteers that have been on committees that aren't needed this year but have been a part of our our volunteer crew for 20 years and so it's been difficult much like it has been with our fans and our corporates but they understand and so we've gone from about 1600 down to about 300. One thing that many people are looking forward to is the depth of the field that you're going to have the top five players in the world are going to be competing in the tournament can you give us a picture of just the level of play you're expecting to see and did you have some players who, who declined because they weren't comfortable playing just yet? Yeah, so I don't know how how uh, how well you follow golf or rankings, but in essence, there's two rankings. There's the what's called the, the World Golf Ranking, and then there's the FedEx Cup points. World Golf Ranking is sort of everybody in the world globally, whether they play on the PGA Tour or not. And so we've got 
top five players in the world would play in Fort Worth. And then our field in a normal year probably goes to 120 on the FedEx Cup points list. We're inside 100. So all that really means from a simplicity perspective is the field is the best it's been in probably 20 years and if not longer. And so that's the one sort of gleaming part in all of this is that the field's spectacular. That means people are going to tune in and that means ratings are good. Now, as it relates to the quality of play, these guys haven't played in nine weeks. You know, they, they you know, some states are, are golfing, some aren't. So they're probably a little rusty. So, they, you know, the quality of play might be a, a couple of strokes higher than normal, but we'll see. But, yeah, that's exciting to have the best players. I mean, Rory McIlroy's never played here before. Justin Thomas has never played here before. So that's exciting from where we sit. Brooks Kepka hasn't played us in a couple years. Dustin Johnson hasn't played us in a couple years. You know, Jordan Spieth, Phil Mickelson, you know, they're champions of ours. They're back. Kevin Na, returning champion is good. Steve Stricker. So we've got it. Yeah, field list is good, and I can send it to you. But that's the one sort of exciting part in all this is the field is going to be the best in golf, and we're excited about that. Having said all that, you're going to award trophy to probably a, a strong player given the the big names that are, are playing how does a trophy presentation look or happen in the era of social distancing will it be any different you know somebody asked me that question uh yesterday and that is one element we haven't talked about yet is the award ceremony so a it will involve no fans b it will have some social distancing c probably won't sing the national anthem or carry in the, the color guard like we've normally done. So it's um, it will take on a different look and feel. We just haven't landed the we haven't landed the plane on that one yet. We've got a few more days to worry about that. But yeah, it'll it'll look significantly different. You know, it's it's never on CBS, it's never broadcast, so that won't change, I don't think. But we still want to celebrate that victory because I think it is exciting. It's historic, but it'll look very, very different for sure. Absolutely. Well, don't worry. As soon as your golf event is over, your phone and your inbox is going to be flooded with people <laughs> yeah, trying right. to pick your brain about how they can get their tournaments off the ground. Uh, many Canadians and many people around the world are missing out on traveling to Fort Worth for the Charles Schwab Challenge. But we're looking forward to watching it on television nonetheless. Thank you so much for having this conversation and thank you for making it happen. Yeah, no, thank you so much. And uh, shoot me any any questions you might have from a clarification perspective. And, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. All right, Donovan, as we uh, conclude this episode, that was um, was a really interesting interview you conducted with Michael Toth and like NASCAR and like UFC and like Bundesliga, they now become a sport that's in the spotlight and a sport that is examined and a sport where you would think some other sports may learn from some of the procedures and some of the medical protocol that they will be doing as part of this return to play. What do you have uh, when it comes to the last word for us this week? 
Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned some of those protocols. Uh, for those listeners who haven't heard it, you feel free to go back to episode 14 of this very podcast, the only game in town where we talked about some of the protocols at local courses. So do go back in the feed and give that a listen. But actually, I came across uh, something that was really interesting this week that has nothing to do with golf or sports. Romper had an article about motherhood during COVID-19. They canvassed 2,000 different moms to see how they're doing. I know personally, maybe it's just my age that I know so many female friends who are pregnant or recently gave birth or who are trying to do daycare and be full-time moms. So it was a very enlightening read for me. And so do give that a look. And now for a voice not often heard, but one that powers this podcast, Amal Delich, our super producer. What have you found that's been interesting this week? I'm a big music lover. I have been for a very, very long time. And recently on a sister network, a podcast network at uh, Rogers Sports and Media Frequency Podcast Network, released a podcast with Hannah Georges on their flagship podcast, The Big Story, which talks about what musicians are doing right now during COVID-19, how they're surviving, and how they're trying to make some sort of money during a period in time where they're not touring and they're not making money off merchandise and they're just stuck at home. So it's a quite a great interview with uh, musician Hannah Georges, a Canadian musician, and uh, I think you guys should check it out. Big Story is a great listen, and it is worth a subscribe. It's also worth you knowing that as things start to open up and you go out and enjoy, please do that responsibly. Stay safe, take care of yourself and others. Thanks for listening.